My husband and I were the founders of Mattel in 1945. His great contribution were all those wonderful Mattel toys, such as Hot Wheels. My great creation was the Barbie doll. Ruth Handler, today on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Raise your hand if you had a Barbie doll or Hot Wheels when you were a kid. Or how about a Chatty Cathy or a C&C? Perhaps no toy of the 20th century was more widely known, more ubiquitously found in households than the Barbie doll. Ruth Handler was the key figure in bringing all of those to market as the co-founder of Mattel Toys. She told her story and Mattel's in a 1994 book. And that's when I met her. So here now from 1994, Ruth Handler. And I must tell you at the outset for how for many years I've enjoyed Mattel's products and, and many of the things that uh, you and Elliot have come up with uh, have been fixtures in my household since I was that high. Well, that's great. And now that I have kids of my own, we, yes, we have Barbie dolls all over the house. My husband and I were the founders of Mattel in 1945. And uh, his great contribution were all those wonderful Mattel toys. Most of them were his uh, creation, one way or another, or his supervision. Uh, many of them his great ideas, such as Hot Wheels. My great creation, other than help build the business, was uh, the Barbie doll. And what a great contribution to our society that has been. I mean, it's just, it's, had, did you ever conceive that it would be the, the cultural icon that it has become? No. I always knew that there had to be a place for such a doll. There were no dolls through which a little girl could pl pretend she was grown up. Uh, that was a major breakthrough in play patterns for little girls. Before that, they had to play with paper dolls, adult paper dolls. And, uh, 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 yes, I knew that the Barbie doll had to be important. No, there was no way to know that uh, any toy or doll could last for 35 years and keep going up and up and up in sales progressively all those years. When, when you first set out to write this particular book, did you have in mind a, a, a history of Mattel? Is it autobiography? Is it a business book, a success book, a how-to, a how-to-overcome-adversity book? Uh, it's a combination of... It's, it's a little bit of all things for everyone. It's... <laughs> It, I think of it as a woman's book, although all the men I know want to read it. It's a great story. It's a story uh, of uh, of an extraordinary life. Uh, it tells how Barbie was born. It tells how Mattel was founded. And uh, it tells how um, uh, I, I ran a giant corporation in times when women didn't do it. And uh, the... Thing, the stumbling blocks along the way trying to be a woman in a corporate world when such things were unheard of. And then it tells of lots of tragedy. The company in many ways fell apart for a few years. We had severe losses. The banks pushed me out. My ego fell to as low as one can go. In 1970, I had uh, breast cancer. Uh, they, I had a mastectomy, a radical. And in 1975, I was pushed out of the company uh, with, uh, uh, with, with a pretty low opinion of myself. And um, 
it took me a year or two of bouncing around to realize that I had to pick up the pieces of my life and do something meaningful. And, of course, by then I knew that the meaningful thing that maybe I was destined to do was to revolutionize the breast prosthesis business because I had had five years of agony trying to find something to fill out that empty brassiere cup. And as you point out in the book, there's kind of a an irony there with the with the Barbie doll, which you said was so important to young girls to have a doll with breasts. Mm-hmm. And now you are bringing full circle, restoring self-esteem to older women who had lost theirs. Yes, and as I reflect on the Barbie doll and as I learn from the adult women today who tell me how they loved that doll and how important she was to them, uh, the Barbie doll helped the self-esteem of the little girls who were growing up with her while they were projecting their dreams of tomorrow. Through this doll, she became part of them, and she helped them overcome, work through those growing up years. Amazing. And I'm told over and over again, uh, not only thank you, but thank you for helping me with the Barbie doll. And then, of course, uh, the years of uh, creating Nearly Me and changing not only the design but the marketing and the whole public image of uh, uh, breast cancer, uh, I feel... Uh, again, I'm back to helping women raise their self-esteem. It, uh, my own self-esteem had to go as low as it could before I found a way to get back into the other role, which brought me back. Ironically, too, when you mentioned that you, were, that you ran the company, I think you'd mentioned in the book that uh, your daughter, Barbara, uh, had expected you, had, would have, might have preferred you to be a June Cleaver, a stay-at-home mom. Yes, my own daughter... Uh, who played with the paper doll, the adult paper dolls, who gave me the inspiration uh, to three-dimensionalize those uh, things that, those paper dolls that she played with by the hour. Um, She hated it when I went out to work. She, and she, she kept asking, why can't I be like everybody else's mother? And she hated when people called her the pointed her out as the Barbie. <laughs> and of course, you also had a son named Ken. That's correct. What a coincidence! <laughs> <laughs> there, there is no truth to the rumor that there was a third member of the family named Skipper, though. No, there was no Skipper. <laughs> Some the people in our design departments take full credit for naming all the dolls except for Barbie and Ken. And you didn't drive pink Corvettes. Uh, no, I did name Chatty Kathy, and my husband was the creator of that. <laughs> Such great. uh, One looks back on inventions like the Barbie doll or Chatty Cathy or Hot Wheels or the successes of the company, and they look so obvious in hindsight. Well, of course, somebody had to invent that. But at the time, their their success was by no means certain at the point of invention, was it? That's right. And in in all cases, those three you mentioned, the Hot Wheels and the Chatty Cathy and the Barbie, uh, they were each an industry almost unto themselves. We never believed in doing anything the easy way. We didn't want to do anything like anyone else. And so when we did the Barbie uh, 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 program, it took us three years to bring it from concept to market. When we did the Chatty Cathy, it took 
over three years to develop the voice mechanism and uh, the whole concept there. And certainly Hot Wheels was uh, an over, overwhelmingly simple, seemingly, but not really. After this short break, Ruth Handler describes the first time Mattel executives played with Hot Wheels. Let's get back now to my 1994 interview with Mattel co-founder Ruth Handler. But, you know, I remember my first Hot Wheels cars and how what a thrill it was that the wheels turned. Not only did the wheels turn, but it would turn fast, and those cars would zoom. If you could have sat and stood in my husband's office, as I did, when the engineers brought down what he had asked, he, one day he brought in a matchbox car to the factory. And he says, these people... I don't understand what's wrong with them. They make a beautiful car. You put it down, and you have to push it, and its wheels don't turn. And he turned to our chief engineer, and he said, I tell you what I want you to do. I want you to change the axle system and so that when this car rolls, you just tap it with a finger, and it runs. And within hours... Our engineers were down in his office, and I saw it happen. And one engineer stood at, at the end of his <laughs> desk and tapped this thing, and it ran all the way across the desk and fell on the floor so fast that we all screamed. And there it was. And then the track system. Uh, that was another interesting development. When they, uh, they uh, the, did the yellow track, uh, my husband was always wandering around the design department, and he had told the engineers, he wanted a track to run this car on, in one way or another. And they had this yellow track, and our chief engineer was telling the designer, no, that, that's not good. That isn't going to work. My husband walked by, and he said, oh, wow, that's wonderful. All you got to do is lift it up and, and hook it to a chair, and you got it. And there we went. You also have no idea how amused our cat was for hours at a time with that car. But when you had the little motorized garage that you put the car in and it would yeah. shoot it out the other side. Yeah. We have home movies of our cat being entertained by the hour. By and we, all we have to do is turn it, turn it on and watch the cat. And it, <laughs> <laughs> it was the greatest thing. But so, much, so many thousands of hours of pleasure that you've given so many millions of American children. As you said, for, for years and years and years. 30 what a, years of Mattel. What a, what a great legacy you've left. Well, thank you. You know that the three biggest products Mattel has got are the three we left them. The Barbie doll, the Hot Wheels, and the voice mechanism. Which, the CNC. The CNC. The same mechanism that was put in Chatty Cathy he then put into CNC. Wow. And every, I, I don't know any parent of a toddler these days who does not have a CNC. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. <laughs> it, is, it is just a. But, but again, I mean, the book is so much more than that, too. I mean, yes, it, it is. That's, that's a wonderful story, but you've got uh, just marvelous stories of, of trials and tribulations, uh, and legal trials and tribulations. I was uh, in a nightmarish situation where. I was accused of fraud and horrible things, and uh, the business grew too big. I lost control. It was a mess. Wow. And it, uh, for one of my uh, independence and ego and sense of fair tra play and uh, high sense of ethics, uh, it all came very, very hard. But, uh, and... Uh, Perhaps looking back, perhaps I handled it wrong, but uh, 
you know, you can't go back. I don't think you've ever been the kind of person who goes back and second guesses yourself, have you? No, I think the important thing is to look at the disarray and where you are and say, well, now how can I pick up the pieces and get on with my life? You're one of those half-full as opposed to half-empty kind of people. I guess so, although I go through the depressed periods as everyone else, but then somehow I've managed to turn it around. Uh, it, uh, there, I've discovered that in, in the worst of times, uh, the worst thing you can do is do nothing. You also, it seems, it seems that you have a deep well of resources within you that, that you are, are smart enough to call upon your own well of resources whenever you need them. Yes, I'm not that bright that I can do all these things myself. But when I make up my mind what I want, first of all, you've got to find a hole in the market that needs filling. And in both the case of Barbie and in the case of my nearly me breast prosthesis, there was a hole that needed filling. And then uh, uh, my 30 years at Mattel uh, trained me to go through the process of how you go about filling that hole in the market. Certainly it prepared me for going to the breast prosthesis business. But it takes, uh, it takes a vision, and it takes um, uh, a goal that's realistic, uh, and it, it takes a vision of something that is better than anyone else is doing. Something that is needed, something that is better than, and then the courage of your convictions. Does it ever bother you that the company was not called Ruthel and not Mattel? Uh, in, I laugh about it because when I did, uh, when I uh, started um, um, Matt, uh, Ruthton, um, the Nearly Me company was named Ruthton. Mm -hmm. And the reason it was named Ruthton was that I had had a custom breast made by a man by the name of Peyton Massey. And um, he... Uh, he had made a couple of them for me, one when I had lost a lot of weight, and I started telling him how to make it uh, better so that it worked better. And in the back of my mind, I realized that um, uh, this custom breast was so much better than the globs that were being furnished in the stores. And um, so one day I went to Peyton Massey and I said, I'd like you to sculpt breasts. I want to go in the breast business and I'll take you in as a partner. And I did. But this time, in thinking of names, we put Peyton and Ruth and we called it Ruthton. Um, it bothered me only slightly uh, uh, on the Mattel name um, because the truth is Harold Matson and Ruth Handler started that business. Ruth Handler died in 2002 at the age of 85. And you can find easy Amazon links to Ruth Handler's book at our website, heardeverything.com. Have you subscribed yet to Now I've Heard Everything? We post new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, a big band jazz legend, my 1989 interview with Lionel Hampton. Louis said, what's that sitting in the corner? And I explained to him that the, it was a vibe hop. And so Louis said, can you play it? And I said, yeah, I never played it before in my life. <laughs> That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson.